Welcome to the Financial Planners Southeast Asia podcast, a show dedicated to driving the positive evolution of financial advice, specifically within Southeast Asia. To join a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Financial Advisors Southeast Asian Podcast. Gwen here, and today we have a financial advisor from the Philippines who's not only a financial advisor, but who's also um, an active stock market trader. And on top of that, he's also an equities and securities salesman. Please help me welcome Ray Takter. Hi, uh, thanks for having me, Gwen. <laughs> You're welcome. Did I pronounce your last name right, Ray? It's yes. Doctor. Doctor. <laughs> cool. Cool. All right. So Ray, uh, we we've actually spoken before, and we've shared like a uh, great heaps of um, conversation. And I know a little uh, about you, but for the benefit of our listeners, I'd like to ask: How long have you been in this industry? Mm, I've been a financial advisor since 2015. Uh, I actually joined when I was still in college. Um, I was introduced to the business by my sister, who sort of forced me, quote unquote, into <laughs> <Yeah>. the business. Um, <laughs> she said that she already paid for the training, so um, I kind of just listened to the opportunity that was offered. And mm-hmm. you know, at that point in my life, I was really looking for extra income um, to pay for tuition, um, to mm-hmm. pay for, and just to have money all around. So it was kind of. A situation where it was the right time and the right place for me to start. <laughs> yes, and that's that's really good. But it, you know, it started with you being forced into the industry, and then <laughs> six unquote, years course. later, yeah, <laughs> unquote, you're coaxed. You were coaxed into the industry, yes. and then six years later, you're still here in the industry, and you're not only. Um, thrived in in your chosen career but you've also managed to um you know take on a few more hats uh as i said earlier you're also um in equities and securities and aside from that you're you're also um actively trading now what made you like decide to you know delve into this different um niches in the financial industry Mm, that's a really good question. Um, so I started my career in the insurance industry as being mm. a financial consultant. And um, I think the reason why I stayed for so long was um, my clients, like maybe 90% are my clients because when I sold them the policy, I really gave them my word that I'll be here mm. for the long term. Yeah. And you know, as financial advisors, we, we're not just salesmen. We don't just sell a policy. We also mm-hmm. um, service them. You know, if they get sick or if they make a claim, we're the ones that are the frontliners in that sense that um, we do the paperwork. And then at the end of the day, we give them the check to their families who need it the most. Mm-hmm. So um, this was mentioned at the seminar that I attended, the recruitment seminar. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what I gravitated towards. Um, You know, initially it was always about the money because honestly, you're a broke college kid, you want some money, you know, to sustain yourself. But after a while, it becomes something more 
serious, more noble, that you're there to help service not just yourself, but also other people. So um, in relation to the other jobs that I have as a stockbroker, I think it was just a function of my interest in in the financial institution. Um, I got into trading because my sister also, um, I was also introduced by my third sister to the markets. At that time, I didn't know anything about stocks or how it worked, but I just opened an account and really just started from there. Yeah, that's wonderful. And, you know, I actually tried my hand on it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like a fit for me, but what made like, what do you think made like trading so interesting and how does it or, or how does this knowledge or this other niche in would be, benefit you as a financial advisor? Mm. So I started trading stocks at the same time I started working, which was back in 2015. Um, at that time, uh, like I said, I did not know anything. So I basically just yeah. choose, I chose a company that I like, which was Jollibee at that time. And I bought like 10,000 or 5,000 worth of shares of that company. And for the longest time, I just held those shares. Actually, um, it was in 2018 that I started looking at my trading again. So there was a full three years where I basically forgot that I had mm. stocks. And then when I checked in 2018, I've seen that my my Jollibee shares are worth 30% more. So I did the numbers in my head that, you know, every year it grew by 10%. So mm-hmm. that was really the catalyst that really piqued my interest that, hey, there, there might be something to this stock market thing. You know, like what I took for granted in 2015, like I didn't understand. Like So even though it wasn't a big amount because 30% of 5 or 10 10K is just small money. I was really looking at the um, percentage. So that's what really encouraged me that hey, if I study this thing, which is stock market, I could potentially grow my money more. Because I was comparing it to other vehicles like the interest in the bank um, or the mutual funds in the insurance business. Um, it did better than those things. So that kind of yeah. really piqued my interest. And from there, I started learning on my own. I read books. I've watched YouTube videos. And I was so fortunate in August 2018 that I was able to meet a stockbroker. And he was the one who mentored me Mm -hmm. uh, to have a system in place. And ever since then, my trading has gotten a lot better. Because it's one thing to watch videos in YouTube. It's also another thing when you have another human being teach you this in front of you. And you can ask questions and you can you know, like tailor fit it to the Philippine market. Because one thing I've noticed yeah, is for sure. a lot of the videos in YouTube, they're, they're centered around U.S. markets, um, mm-hmm. uh, not really on the Philippine market. So you kind of have to make adjustments to fit it in our local markets. All right. Yes, definitely. So, because um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think that it's really good to have like a mentor um, and yes. especially when it comes to money because um, and that's what really like in essence what a financial advisor is like it's it's your mentor Agreed. 
um, yes, to to help you like um, find better ways in order to manage money. And in your case, you had a mentor to help you um, build a really good framework and structure and how you can be better at trading. And now you've um, you've reaped the like the the fruits of that labor with the help of your mentor and. Speaking yes. of mentor, like, are you still um, being mentored by, or like, do you still, uh, or you currently have a mentor right now? Um, I think we all have a lot of mentors. Like personally, for me, uh, one of my heroes is really my mom, who's also a life insurance agent, and ah. we've been wor- working together since 2015, and so it has allowed me to learn so much from her. She's a lifetime MDRT qualifier. So ah, nice. um, all the accolades that you could possibly get in the life insurance industry, she's mm-hmm. gotten it. Um, one point she was uh, part of the table. So ah, aside yes, from my mom, I have yeah. my sister who also happens to be my manager, the one who coerced oh, me into the business. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She's also very um she's also a very good producer and she's also mm-hmm. a branch manager now in the company that we're working. Mm-hmm. So mm. I'm in no shortage of mentors when it comes to the insurance industry. My uncle is also the head, the district head of the company we work in. So oh. it's kind of like a family business at this point. Yeah, it's definitely a family <laughs> business. And I'm glad yes. to, ha- to know that y- there are a lot of people within your circle who's ready and yes. willing to, to help you that you can approach anytime because... Um, let's face it, when we start this um, industry here, uh, we, we are presented with a lot of setbacks, right? So not only um, with, you know, not being able to get clients right away, but we also face setbacks with um, trying to provide for ourselves while we look for new clients because in the Philippines, we are a commission-based industry, Um we don't really have um, any recurring fees yet mm-hmm. um, that I know of. But but so so yeah, like can you tell us a little bit more about like your struggles when you were still starting out? Mm, okay, so um, when I started working, I had the benefit that I was taken care of by my family. So um, mm. uh, I know some agents that really have a struggle in this um, industry because uh, there is no guarantee of income, which is just to say that you could really work your butt off month after month, but sometimes it might not necessarily uh, correlate straight to sales, right? So sometimes you have to plant the seeds. So I really get that part. Um, Some people might want a more stable source of income rather than a commission-based job Mm. so Mm -hmm. uh, personally i was um taken care of by my family so i did not really have to starve or really worry about the bills so um i'm very fortunate to have that and i'm grateful for that um privilege so Mm. uh, to start uh, you know like better off um so my struggles would have been early on I was always looking for something fixed because I had that mindset where, you know, if I can just earn 20K or 30,000 a month, I'll be fine. You know, I, mm. that was big already 
for me at that point in my life. And being in the insurance um, business, there's no guarantee of income. So you might have huge commissions one month and then next month have zero money, uh, zero money yeah. coming in. So for me, I think that's one of the struggles early on, the instability of income. Mm. <laughs> struggling with my words, but... Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. Yes, yes, I definitely agree because, you know, um, so here in the Philippines, it's commission-based and if the um, the client pays for the annual fees, then you get, um, in one month, you get like a really yes. huge commission. <laughs> yes. But then for the next month, um, if you didn't have any monthly clients, then you wouldn't get any. Um, and we do have this tendency to you know, spend all of the money that we yes. have. So it takes a lot of discipline to to actually, you know, go ahead and budget that. And, and that's like another huge topic that would like, maybe we can talk about that later on because I think that's also important. Being yeah. able to, uh, you know, stretch out the commission, uh, mm. especially when, when financial advisors are starting out. But now that you've um, overcome those hurdles, like how were you able to grow your your client base um i basically just focus on the people i knew at the start so i mentioned earlier that most of my family is in the insurance industry and we're yeah. basically in the same company so going to your warm market um in this case my family was kind of difficult because yeah almost you're, you're, <laughs> everyone basically you're, has a policy with either my mom yeah. my sister or my uncles my cousins so yeah. Yeah. Um, if you're in that situation, I guess you really have to carve out a niche for your own. So I focus on people that aren't really, that don't have insurance yet. So that's the number one priority. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, one thing I'm really proud of was I was able to go back to my high school teachers and really mm. get them insured because these were the people that. I grew up with in my formative mm, yeah. years and it's also part of the reason why I'm who I am now. So uh, for better or worse, the, the values and you know the habits that you picked up in high school, it, they stick with you. Um, and yeah. they're really a part of that. And so to ensure those people who helped me become who I am was for me one of the best things I've ever done in the insurance industry. Even if it, was, it weren't the biggest cases, yeah. Uh, as long as I could in, um, ensure that their family has um, adequate protection, that in case they weren't here anymore, that they would be okay. So it's one of the greatest feelings as an insurance advisor or as a financial advisor to be a part of that, you know, to give back to them. Yeah, definitely. And also you get to be able to like, um, cultivate like an ongoing relationship True. with them as well because you know um, you you update them with um, with regards to their policy or they can contact you anytime yes. um, if they have questions and all that so you get to form um, great ties with your mentors way back in high school now you started with with your teachers because, as you said, that um, while other financial advisors can always um, tap or communicate with other family members, you, on the other hand, um, 
your your family most of them already has policies from mm-hmm. from your mom <laughs> and from your sisters so like right now six years later do you have an ideal client base for yourself mostly uh right now i'm mostly relying on uh repeat business so aside from mm-hmm. my teachers i also focus on my classmates high school college mm-hmm. friends from clubs so basically like anywhere i go um i just happen to share so um the thing with being a financial consultant is I don't really hard sell. Uh, usually, mm-hmm. I can talk about it casually during a get together if they mm-hmm. have insurance and like what their plans are. And it starts from there, the, planting the idea in their minds. And uh, I'm just surprised that I have clients from basically every part of my life, like grade school friends, high school friends, yeah. um, friends from uh, sports clubs, mm-hmm. you know, so. For me, being a financial consultant is really more of a lifestyle because, um, again, as our job entails, is, uh, it entails us to be advocates of financial literacy. You know, like to get an insurance plan is the responsible thing to do. So mm-hmm. why not share it with everyone that you meet? But um, the trick always is or like the challenge is to do it in a way that it's not off-putting. It's not like you're selling to them because no one wants yeah. to be sold to, but everyone wants to buy. So mm-hmm. that's a nice one. Yeah. yeah, different strokes for different folks. Some people <laughs> might prefer a direct approach, like, "Hey, can I talk to you on your office on Monday? I just want to share an idea regarding your finances." And some maybe you can do it through um, small talk or mm-hmm. indirect means so um that's the fun part in our job really is you figure out different approaches for different people because there's really no one way to um close a client and sometimes it could take a while like you could tell them about the idea um years before and then when they're ready they, they'll just call you like hey ray i'm about i'm ready to start my policy so that's yeah. what happened a lot now when mm-hmm. I was planting the seeds early on in 2015, 2016, but they only got their policies maybe during the pandemic because uh, life changed, right? Like, yes, <laughs> yes. So people, there is, that's, that's yeah, one of the things that changed. Yes. And people were like more hyper aware that, hey, things can change at a drop of a hat, right? Um, could lose a job. I could lose a family mm-hmm. member. So this hyper awareness of you know death and life and the instability of life is actually i think a boon to an insurance industry because people are finally waking up and really mm-hmm. seeing the value of life insurance and yes. what we provide to our clients mm, so. definitely i would i would definitely agree with that like mm-hmm. there after the pandemic hit, there were like more conversations gearing towards um, how can they like what would happen if you know I get positive? Like, is there mm. a way that um, where can I get the money? And oh, then they open up right? about <laughs> yes, yes, very expensive. Very expensive. Um, um, and then you know, and it opens up to HMO, which leads mm. to insurance, which leads to like. Um, 
And there was like this thing where the the market was crashing and then there was an introduction that this is now the best time to um, buy stocks because of the uh, because the market is actually crashing and all that stuff. So um, there were a lot of like mm, not so helpful information floating around in the <laughs> yes. internet. But false news. Um, yes, false news. And but I think it's also good that those topics were um, um, opened up because it also gives an opportunity for financial advisors and everyone else in the financial industry to um, answer those questions and maybe correct any existing stigma that runs around, especially here in the Philippines where there's still a stigma with um, regards to financial advisors, to insurance um, advisors that like we're only here for the commission and yes. that you'll never hear from us again after we've sold you this policy and all that stuff. So I think, yeah, I definitely agree that it's, mm. um, there were some things that have come out well because of the pandemic. And speaking of the pandemic, because we've already talked about this um, previously, but how were you able to fare during the pandemic? Um. You know, just like everyone, when the lockdown happened during March, um, we I went through a phase where basically I didn't want to work for a bit, like you know, because yeah. um, uh, I'm really it used to like going out. Times. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like going out to see clients. You know, I'm I wasn't really into Zoom meetings. I, at, at that time, Zoom wasn't even a thing yet. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, it was really, really a tough pill to swallow to shift everything online. And truth be told, I'm still adjusting to how things are now. So every time I talk to a client now, it's through Zoom. And then we we do the online platform for my company when we're, we're closing a policy or we're um, closing a sale. So it's a lot of learning, a lot of adjustments, but... Um, it's just a good thing that my company offers a lot of trainings and a lot of motivational sessions so that you, you mm-hmm. still become productive even though it's lockdown. So I'm really grateful yeah. for that. Yes, because like I, I do notice that a lot of the companies now have this program where they help um, their employees get to the day and find new ways to um be more efficient in their job and i think one of those is like coming up with a new like app or software to help you become more productive right now mm-hmm. um yes. definitely agree on the zoom part too like i <laughs> did not like zoom i didn't really know how to use it because um i was actually more inclined to google meetings um, mm-hmm. and so but a lot of Same people here. use zoom yeah so <laughs> you know um it's it also took a lot of adjusting and also working from home, right? Like yes. I know that you are the type of person who likes like a face-to-face meeting, but mm. it's now difficult to do it at home. Like you can't really, um, uh, you know, have that physical feeling of being yeah. with the person. Um, and, you know, sometimes when you're talking to a person over a camera, sometimes they don't, like, you can't get their full attention. Like, mm. th- does that happen to you too? Yeah, um, it's a lot different compared to being in person. Because I think when you're in person, like, 
um, can engage them more rather than over the computer where there's so many things that can distract you, like they have their kids or pets, you know, or uh, the number one issue really is the internet connection. So mm-hmm. having a really bad internet connection can really, really slow you down in terms of your progress. But, you know, like what can we do? <laughs> it just uh, somehow work over it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Because not all the places here in the Philippines, for some reason, have good internet connection. <laughs> I can definitely attest to that. Until now, we don't have fiber connection here in in the place where we're at, and we're still mm-hmm. in the city, right? But um, but I'm glad to know that you're coping uh well enough right now because um, I know that uh there were a lot of people who were struggling as well. Like some of them didn't really, it didn't like come up with the idea of working from home. And so when um, the pandemic hit and we weren't able to um, go outside, like they didn't know where to start when it comes to um, working from home and, you know, um, adjusting with the current situation. But now that we're slowly opening up, like the cities have, um, is much more lenient when it comes to um, meeting up with in cafes and stuff. Are you back on like meeting clients face to face? For now, just, select clients like i'm mm. not really doing face-to-face meetings all the time mm. um actually tomorrow i'm meeting a client of mine who's been a client since 2018 and then mm. he's gonna get two more policies for his kids oh. so um i uh for new clients i usually just focus on zoom and mm. uh online stuff but for existing clients, of course, we take all the protocols of social distancing, mm-hmm, face mm-hmm. shield, face mask. But yeah. for those existing clients, I really take the time to go to them and really explain the policy they're getting and really be there in person because uh, i rather do it manually. Like I'm just used to manual. <laughs> I'm refusing to change. So, <laughs> so it's a struggle. It's, yeah. Yeah, I can definitely understand. And um, maybe there are some non-financial advisors who are listening to this podcast right now. And mm-hmm. let's just explain this real quick. There's actually um, a need to explain further if your client already has an existing policy, right? Because we don't really want them to be over-insured in something or invest in something that is redundant because they already have this initial type of investment, mm-hmm. right? So I think I definitely agree with you Like um, sometimes or most of the times when it's already um, an existing client who wants to like, either get a new policy for their children or maybe get another type of in insurance or investment uh, vehicle, then it's better to um, meet face-to-face. And, you know, it, it also builds like a stronger relationship between you and your client when you are actually meeting face-to-face. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also take into account what, what do they really want, you know, like, 
Um, mm. Example, if they want some to start a program with their kids, like, okay, like, what is the goal here? Is this for college or is this just for general savings? So um, when I meet a client, it's really more of me just asking a lot of questions because I really want to understand where the person is coming from. And then I would have recommendations based on his answers. So the way I look at our job is really not just a salesman. We're not a peddler. Mm. We're, we're selling our wares in the streets. No, like it's all prepackaged. What we are, are, we're financial doctors. So we have to understand what are the symptoms? What is the person mm-hmm. um, going through? What is the circumstance? And from there, we can have an effective diagnosis that because every client is different. They have different income, different backgrounds, mm-hmm. different mindsets. So it really helps, for, at least for me. Like um, That's why I struggle over Zoom because it's just lacking. Of course, you can see them over the screen mm-hmm. and can talk to them, but I don't know. I can't explain it that um, you have to be there in front of them to really understand um, your client. And that's how you can be effective when it comes to offering your services is by first understanding what do they really want, what they need, and what's the best solution to their problem. Yeah, right. So I'm glad you actually brought that um, topic up because, um, yes, that's one of the reasons why I think, you know, having a meeting is very important because um, sometimes, you know, your, your client says, I want to um, get this type of insurance policy, let's say. Um, but then at, with a closer um, inspection, what, what, with conversing with them and asking the right questions, you figure out that mm, he doesn't really hmm. want this, uh, but he needs this instead. And so you have to educate your client that this is like the what he really needs, and this what he really needs is in this pro- um, type of product instead of the one mm. that he initially said that he wanted to have. So that's really good um, that mm, you're able exactly. to yeah to diagnose what he needs instead of you know giving him what he wants. And I think like sometimes I've heard this from um, other like friends of mine who had. Uh, policies like they've also had a bad experience mm-hmm. because it they felt like they were just being sold to because yes. it turned out that the yeah the policy that they've got and that they were you know paying until now um, <laughs> is not the right one for them mm-hmm. so um, it's really good that you you've mentioned that and because it's I think it's a really good um, topic that you know, financial advisors, especially here in the Philippines, can talk about, like, for what's really the mindset of a financial advisor when coming into a meeting? Is it to sell a certain um, product or to really determine what the client needs um, that is most suited for, you know, that person's situation what they can actually maintain to pay. That's like one of them because it's, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard, I think you've heard about this, mm-hmm. right? Like um, <laughs> some financial advisors would push a product because it's like, it's, it, it, it provides, let's face it, like the, the biggest amount of commission, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And then it ends up like the, the client is unable to uh, maintain 
the the amount that they need to to shell out every month or mm. every year because it's just not you know it's just not really for them yes it's not realistic for their situation yeah. mm-hmm. i agree so, i agree mm-hmm. yeah because and you mentioned earlier right like your first clients although they weren't really big um the the policies weren't really big, but at least it's a head start for them. And because anyways, later on, they can actually pay for like a, um, they can increase their policy, right? Yes. So or it's, maybe it's even better get a new one, start. right? So, mm, yes, that's uh-huh. right. Um, as long as it's what the client actually needs and what like the financial, not like the what the financial advisors want. So uh, that's just 100% me. Agree. 100% <laughs> agree. And I just want to add that you kind of have to see your clients also as they're going through life cycles. So they're not just going to get one policy from you. So as they move on through their different stages of life, when at first they're young, single professional. So mm-hmm. um, you might offer them a policy for that time of their lives. And then they start a family. So their priorities will change and there's an opportunity there if you are quick enough to really capture that market. No? So I, mm. I see myself growing with my clients and yeah. uh, I see it as a long-term view. So I don't really, um, I agree with what you said that some client, uh, some agents would push for the highest premium because that's, that gives the highest commissions. But mm. In a way, you're killing your business because if the policy lapses and they have a bad mm. um, taste in their mouth from that experience, they're not going to get mm. from you anymore. Or they might be turned mm. off to insurance altogether, right? Ah, this is just an industry for money grubbers or this is just for greedy people. So we don't want to <laughs> give off that idea. Yes. Um, part of that is to be part of the change. Uh, it could be the advisor that really understands your client well enough that you offer them something that's realistic. So I just want to share quickly an experience I had a few years ago. Um, I I met this guy who was working in J Center. So it's a mall in in the city I live in. And what what really struck me was he was a really hardworking guy. He was 21 years old, fresh from college. And he was basically working whatever jobs in order to make money. And I asked him, why are you so hardworking? Like, uh, are you... Are you, do you have kids or, you know, to provide for? And he basically mm-hmm. said, uh, you know, like I have so many goals, I have so many dreams. So I want to get as much money now when I'm young. And then I asked him if he had insurance. So apparently he had three policies at age 21. 21, yes, oh. From the yellow company, <laughs> green company, and the blue company. <laughs> So, so he shopped around. <laughs> yeah, he really shopped around. And, you know, there were um, decent sized policies so i also actually also offered him from my company and so we decided to talk about it and in my fact finding i really realized that almost like 80 percent of his salary goes to insurance premiums oh no yeah so he was barely living on just like a sliver of his income so i really told him are you sure you want to do this because you know, like that 20% stick your food, your rent, you know. Mm-hmm. At that time, the company was paying for his rent. So he was really just mm-hmm. paying for, you know, food and additional personal expenses. But mm-hmm. um, so I told him that, um, although, yes, it's it's contrary to us, no? because 
as agents want to close the case for commissions. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I really saw it. It was really against him. And he already had protection that was adequate. Mm, yes. So I already told him now, maybe now is not the right time because you might um, you already have enough insurance. Maybe you might want to save your money, maybe start a business. So um, I really just treated him as a friend and advised him because uh, um, I was a bit older, so I was able to do that. So some clients, um, they're the ones that advise me. So, um, <laughs> yeah. And he was also asking a lot of questions, so I was happy to answer. And I, I, I hope I was able to help him because like, that guy was one of the most hardworking people I've met. You know, like he was working in a department mm-hmm. store, and at the same time, has so many sidelines. <laughs> yeah. And after work, you know, like he, I don't think he sleeps. So, <laughs> so it was just a case where you really have to put the clients first, and it might not benefit you in the short term, but I really believe if you have that mindset going forward, it will just pay dividends later. Like, the clients will see. The, the value you bring them and you know maybe god will just reward you in his own way yes and definitely agree with that because i also had like a, a malaysian financial advisor mm-hmm. whom i talked to very very good guy um uh, kevin hello kevin um but <laughs> he said that there he had this one um, lady who approached him and she was crying because she couldn't sustain herself um, be, uh, and she needed help because she doesn't know like how to um, go about with her finances. Mm-hmm. And then when um, uh, my friend, the financial advisor, um, took to you know checking all of her um, accounts, her all of her insurances. It took it. It turns out that I think she, I, I'm not sure about with the numbers. But I think she had nine um, insurance wow. policies, and lot. she was still, <laughs> yes, and she was still paying for them. And some of them, um, the financial advisor determined was um, that the client simply didn't need it. And imagine this person who she thinks of herself as a poor person because she couldn't even like um, afford to buy the things that she needed and yet she had nine policies mm-hmm. that she that her money um, gets deducted with uh, on a monthly basis and you know like after that after they've reassessed and retained the ones that she needed and then um, move her money around. She was able to live a more comfortable life, and she was eternally grateful for it. Because, you know, imagine like initially having thought that you didn't have enough money for yourself. When it yes. turns out that you actually had enough money and then some. Mm. So that's and wow. I and I <laughs> yeah and I fully support what you said. Like you may not have been able to close that particular sale but who knows like the um if a friend of that person mentions that he needs insurance then he he would refer that friend of his to you because mm-hmm. he believes in you because you've provided that him a solid form of advice and i, I think yes that's um it will reward you tenfold but and and I think aside from that one, Ray, like aside from giving, you know, solid advice, not just from in a like 
closing the sale point of view, like how else do you actually acquire more clients? The great thing about our company is that we have um, weekly meetings. We call them huddles. And in these huddles, we have different speakers from different backgrounds. Some are bankers, some are, you know, fresh grads, some are architects, but different walks of life. And they share their stories on how they were able to um, perform in the life insurance industry. So um, for me, I just listen to these people and I try to apply it um, as soon as possible. Mm. So it could be like um, closing techniques. It could just be mindset. So um, how I go about it really is I try whatever works. I throw whatever whatever strategy there is and see what sticks in the wall. Yeah, yes. Oh, oh, which reminds me, and I just got to share it. So um, I know you know Mamads, right? So Mamads is... Mamads? Mamads. Jill's mom... Oh, okay. Oh, Tita Mads. Okay, like Mamads. Yes, like Mamads. Okay. okay. So you know her as Tita Mads. So mm. she's one of the top performers in yes. um in my husband's her. company. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, soon I will definitely. Okay. I just need to like prepare myself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, um, but she mentioned in one of these um sessions as well, like you have to broaden your um, mental wallet. I think that was the, mm-hmm. the the term she coined, and that was because, like, um, for us, because let, let's just say for me, um, we can only afford this amount of money. So if we pitch to a certain client, sometimes we have this certain bias that we're just going to maybe provide this um, type of insurance amount or investment mm. amount to our clients. And then it turns out that your clients can actually afford more. And because you didn't really make them decide, like you didn't probe more mm. on what they really, what they can actually pay for, um, they end up like not getting the type of investment that they can actually afford, which is more than what you may have thought. Yes. Um, an example for this is like you offered like an investment of say, uh, say two thousand mm-hmm. per month, um, and but because you didn't really probe more on your client, um, what they were actually thinking is that they can afford a five thousand per month policy, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm sharing this because my husband has uh, that experience actually um and he so he had two experiences with that same one the first one um you know because he forgot about that lesson um he actually pitched like a a smaller like insurance policy for that client and then his client later on said that hey like after (laughs) everything was processed like hey i think this is too low because you know i think i can afford more so it's like huh so (laughs) that that and after that like he really remembered what mamad said 
Um, and then, and so he was able to close a bigger sale afterwards as well, because, um, yes, one of those huddles is very important. <laughs> and I mm. agree that you should be able, uh, like, you should ideally take the advice to heart as soon as possible. Um, because these people um, are actually your mentors as well, right? So, yes. um, yeah, so they've already done the work for you and all you need to do is follow like the better experience that they've already had because for sure um it was born about in um in in their mistakes and then their in their trials as well yes 100 percent agree on that um i actually just want to add something um my sister mm-hmm. said this early on like i'm not sure if it was right after i got coded as an agent uh, mm-hmm. She basically just told me that if you want to go where you want to go, just look at the people who's been there already and you try to see what what road it took to get there. So mm-hmm. um, I've, I've done that for my life insurance business as well as my stock market journey. So as a trader and also as a stockbroker, I try to look for mentors who I want to like, I want to be in 10 years. I want to be like them. So kind of just mm. pick their brains, uh, see what worked for them and try to see if it will work for me. So for those aspiring um, financial advisors, just look to someone that you can look up to and really just mm. try to emulate what, what works for them, like their good practices, the discipline, the, the drive, their approaches, you know. And the great thing is you can have more than one. So you can have a mentor for prospecting, you can have a mentor mm. for closing, you know, like you can pick and match. And when you do a good job, it's kind of like you're honoring them because like a bit of them is in you. So yeah, you know, so learning from the previous generation and in the future, pass it on to the new generation. So that's true. Cycle of life. <laughs> yes, that's true. And I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> What you said was very interesting. Like, um, you get to pick the yes. the types of mentors that you have. So you actually have different types of mentors for like different stages mm. of your business. Exactly. So that's very interesting. Um, and I think I only thought of that. So um, <laughs> I'm very happy that you've shared uh with us mm-hmm. that information. That's really nice. And this goes to more than just your business. Could be like the way you live your life. You know, mm. your philosophy. You know how you treat other people. So, you know, it's just. It's everything, not just work. It's your whole life. Can, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I actually agree because um, I think we usually do that in life, right? Like we mm. pick the best advice, but we don't seem to do that in business. Like we try to <laughs> stick to one. So yes, and I definitely agree that whatever you um, that you learn in life in general, you can actually. Um, emulate that in different type in your different areas of your life whether it be parenthood or um what is that relationships your intimate relationships or um your business right so oh and by the way this is one important topic so i was going about to close the podcast because (laughs) because i was um i didn't want to take up 
much of your time, but I was really, (laughs) (laughs) thanks. So, um, we actually chatted about this earlier, um, Mm -hmm. about your, your recent, um, YouTube. So Mm -hmm. you've started your, your own YouTube channel. So before we end, I just really want to, um, to ask you more about that. So first, like, why did you start, um, a, a YouTube channel? Yes, so <laughs> it's an interesting topic. Um, I basically joined YouTube or started a YouTube channel because I guess I wanted to share my experience in the stock market as well as provide mm. value to the listeners. Um, not saying that I'm I'm the best in trading or anything. Mm. Uh, in fact, like I I'm actually quite bad at it um, at the start, and then where I'm I'm somewhat decent now. So. Um, <laughs> for me, it was a journey, and a lot of people, a lot of people had their hand in helping me improve myself. So, uh, one of it was YouTube videos. So, mm. uh, I really just thought to myself that if anyone was interested in the stock market, I want to have a place where they can learn and maybe also uh, to create a place where they can learn in safety like you know and they can ask questions and we can all learn from each other so i wanted to create that environment which i wish i had back in 2015 when i was starting out because it was very hard to find uh, youtube channels that was focused on the philippine markets uh, topics that Mm -hmm. are more centered towards us so um, maybe that's why i created a channel is to be a resource also in that department yeah, right. and also yeah, it's also a great way to um, exercise your creativity. So I'm mm-hmm. always pushing my um, uh, I'm always looking for ways to push myself, not just um in work, but also in other ways. So it keeps life more interesting. Yeah, you know? for sure. <laughs> never never pigeon pigeonhole yourself to one thing like oh this guy's mm-hmm. just an insurance agent, this guy's just a broker. Mm-hmm. You know, do something on the left field something unexpected so uh, most of the time it's really just to surprise myself like you know what works what doesn't work but you know <clears throat> just have fun yes. with it. <laughs> yeah i agree i agree you you should always look for um, like you never should stop growing right yes That's basically never stop so <laughs> yeah because um and we talked about this earlier right like yes. it, you you kept putting um the youtube project off for Mm -hmm. for quite some time because you're you're like me like a (laughs) a really like class a perfectionist um but how did you like manage to overcome that and really get that out there because i know that there is it's not just you and me there are a lot of people who are the same way like does not want to put out content that is not like 100 <laughs> percent. yes so we're both kind of perfectionists right and um this actually stops us from uh just i think for me like it stops us from growing um mm, uh, more yeah. because if you don't put the seed in the ground, it's never going to grow. You know, I think what really pushed me to start it was I just accepted that things I do won't always be perfect. In fact, most of the time it won't be perfect, but yeah. I accept that. And um, my mindset now moving on with this channel is 
I'm just going to learn as much as I can. I'm going to take every feedback and see if I can use that to improve my content as well as uh, the way I handle things in the channel. So I see it more as a progression instead of perfection. So that's one of my mottos in life, progression over perfection. Don't strive to be perfect because it's very hard to be perfect. There's always going to be something off, but if you're constantly improving, the quality of your work is going to really go up. Yeah. So, um, that's my mentality now. Like, yours, uh, the self is always the harshest critic. So mm-hmm. yes. what might be terrible for you might be actually insightful for some people. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what keeps me motivated listening to my friends who keep mm-hmm. you know motivating me telling me that mm-hmm. it was good and then at the same time it's about not being satisfied like you can be happy with your work but never be satisfied always try yeah. to improve in your little ways yeah so perfection is a very very um dangerous road to go down yeah. because yeah. It, it can mean that you might never even start you know so how can you improve something that when you don't even start so my mindset uh, yes it's just keep moving forward and eventually mm. it will lead you to a better place yeah definitely i definitely agree with that, <laughs> because um for those of you who don't know i do have a youtube channel as yeah, well but... like and subscribe guys <laughs> <nice. laughs> thank, thank you but backstory is it actually took me five years so it wow. took me five years and the yeah the like the last straw it was like he wasn't really like the the main reason why i started but he was like one of those like last straws is the um is the director of our um community uh that's clayton daniel he's the founder of xy advisor so he was the one who said start it start it now (laughs) so and he basically told me like um it's going to be crap for one year so (laughs) don't worry about it um the most important thing is for you to start and that was the reason why i started so i started um about the same time that i started working for xy advisor as well so um and you know it's really true. Like, That's imagine great. five years, yeah, five years <laughs> in <great>. the making, <laughs> right? But when I finally put it out there, like, it was the biggest feeling of relief mm-hmm. because, like, it's uh, like I didn't even notice it that it was actually stressing me out that there was like a plan that I've been always been putting off. So, yes. um. And I'm glad that you also started. We're now a really big community of YouTubers, <laughs> Filipino YouTubers, in the the in our com- in the financial advice community here in Cebu. So that's really nice. Yes. Now, and so really, thank you so much. So I really don't want to take up so much of your time. It's and, really fine. Um, <laughs> it's really fine. But yes, and um, I, I do want to reserve a few more conversations for our future podcast. And yes, hopefully, I'm looking forward like, to that. Yeah, and hopefully, you know what? Um, we're going to have more conversations about it, about investing, uh, about being a trader as a financial advisor. But for now, 
thank you so much for coming into the show. Um, I've also learned a lot and hopefully our listeners have learned a lot as well. Yes, no problem. And I hope that, you know, soon we can have another talk again. But for now, um, if there are uh, people out there who want to get to know you more or um, get to know more about what you do, where can they find you? Um, you can find me over in Facebook. Uh, just search up Ray Tucker. Thank you so much, Ray. Thank Have you a so good much. One. <laughs> yes, you too. Thank you.